2012 on radio.org.au How can I share my faith with others? With Judy Bow. Judy Bow is a sister with the Missionaries of God's Love, whose focus is evangelization, especially of young people. She has worked in youth ministry, formation, and leadership for over 20 years. Her aim is to inspire people to understand and know God's love personally and to help them to naturally and attractively share it with people in their lives. This talk was recorded in a collaboration between cradio.org.au and xt3.com. So this seminar, just in case you're in the wrong place, is How Can I Share My Faith With Others? And that's for people who are looking for practical help and encouragement in evangelization. So it aims to help empower normal people, that's most of us, to share our faith in ordinary, everyday ways that change lives and bring real hope to a needy world. So the grace I'm hoping that's available here is that we be re-inspired to allow the Holy Spirit to use us to connect lives to God. So that's the seminar we're doing. And it's based on... John Paul II's inspiration, his um, decisive quote that's kind of prophetic. John Paul II said this to the whole church, I sense that the moment has come to commit all the church's energies to a new evangelization. No believer in Christ, no institution of the church can avoid this supreme duty to proclaim Christ to all peoples. That's a really strong statement, isn't it? All the church's energies. Like, that's amazing. They, they say you're not allowed to make global statements. Everything and all. Here's John Paul II making a very global statement that the entire church needs to commit all its energies to evangelization. So this should make you feel very good at being in this room, in this seminar, in this scene congress, listening to this seminar, wherever you are, you're in the right place at the right time doing exactly what the church is all about. So it's pretty exciting. I'm just going to tell you a little story. I'll digress with stories all over the place. When I was a very, very new sister and a very, very new evangelist way back 20 years ago, um, I went home on holidays and I was going to visit two of my friends who were teachers. And they were the kind of teachers that once said to me, well, we run retreats for the kids in year 11 and 12, but sometimes we wonder whether we shouldn't mention God at all because it seems to turn the kids off. And I'm thinking, what? How can you run a retreat without mentioning God? That is extreme. So these were the friends I was going to visit. And I got all ready to go. And for the only time in my life, I was really early when I was walking out the door and I thought, "Eh, I'm not going to arrive early. And I sat down at my desk and there was a papal document that my mother had left there. I don't know where it came from, but she assumed it was mine because I'm into the churchy stuff. And it was all about, um, it was this document, I think, Redemptoris Missio, on the permanent validity of the church's missionary mandate. And I sat down and read the first page and that quote was in the middle of it. And I thought, okay, filled up enough time, I'll go off to my little party now. And in the middle of this party, my friends 
said to me, oh, this young person that we know is going overseas to do missionary work in PNG. Isn't that wonderful? And I'm going, yeah, that's wonderful, being a new missionary <laughs> myself. And I thought, it's great that they think missionary work's wonderful. And then they went on to say, but these days in the church, the mission of the church is really about social work and social justice. So he'll probably be building houses and doing practical things for the people, which is good. That's a good direction for the church to move in. And I was thinking, no, it's not. <laughs> no, that's not what missionaries are about. And, and I just read this document. So I said, actually, the church teaches that there's a, there's, it's permanently valid for people to preach the, the message of evangelization. Like, that's what the church is all about. It's the entire purpose of the church. It's in one of the documents. And I sounded like I knew lots, you know. I was quoting this church document. And actually, I'd just joined the sisters. I didn't know anything about anything. But it, that God had set me up to read this little thing just before I walked out the door. So inside me, I'm laughing my head off thinking, that is so funny. You know, I don't know anything about anything, but the Holy Spirit's behind me all the way and getting me prepared to know what to say when I need to say it. I don't know if I impressed them or not, but it really <laughs> impressed me. <laughs> it impressed me that God was on my side. And even when I was out of my depth, you know, he was going to help me do what I needed to do. So you people are all involved in the new evangelization. The whole church is up to its ears in the new evangelization. Um, so it's new in its ardours, methods and its expression. This is what the popes are telling us. And this is what we're experiencing. I don't know whether you've been experiencing this in the last few days or the last few years or your entire life. Maybe it doesn't seem new to you. Maybe you've been born into this. But what, what's happening around us in the church is a whole new energy in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is an exciting time to live in the church. A whole new style that is radically open to the needs of our contemporaries. What we're experiencing here at, at scene and going and taking out into the city is a whole new style of the church. And probably people you meet are a little bit shocked about it. Like, are you Catholics? <laughs> really? And it's a whole new language that can communicate and call to conversion. So in looking at how we evangelise ourselves, know that there's something new happening, that God's giving you a whole new grace and that there's a new way um, to live it and to be it. <clears throat> So seen is an example of the, whole, of the new evangelization. In case you, you're not quite clear on what it is, what it looks like, you're in the midst of it. You are it. You are the new evangelization. And I found this great quote that I just had to put in because John Paul II would be cheering us on way back in 1993. He said, offer your youthful energies to building a civilization of Christian love. Do not be afraid to go out on the streets and into public places. This is no time to be ashamed of the gospel. Do not be afraid to break out of the comfortable and routine modes of living and to take up the challenge of making Christ known in the modern metropolis. Do you feel good about yourself now? <laughs> That's exactly what we've been doing, isn't it? Breaking out of the church and, and hitting the streets and going up to people 
and letting them know that the church is alive, that there are some people who are excited about it. And you know there happens to be a secret weapon in the new evangelization. Did you hear about the secret weapon? No, maybe you haven't heard about it. It's fairly, fairly, fairly secret, but you actually do know about it. The secret weapon of the new evangelization is you. <laughs> this is not a trick. This is not a gimmick. This is the word of God. <laughs> so insert your face here. <laughs> you are part of the picture. When, when John Paul II is saying, don't be afraid to get out on the streets. Don't be afraid to share your faith. He's talking to you. Um, he said, modern people listen more willingly to witnesses than to teachers. The world is looking for a witness, not someone to tell them more stuff. We're overwhelmed with words. But people are watching people of faith, which is you, to see if it's real and genuine and worthwhile. And I found somewhere <clears throat> in a review of the best evangelization methods a quote that says, personal contact provides the best way of reaching others who are not aware of the treasure of the Catholic faith. I just Googled that because I know it's true and I wanted to quote it <laughs> so that you would believe me. <laughs> personal contact is the only real way that works. Like I've been in working in evangelization for over 20 years now. And every time we run something, that really 99% of the time, it's only through personal contact that anyone comes. It's because some friend invited them, or somebody told them about it, or they got a personal invitation in some form or other. So that makes you a very important secret weapon for the church. The church is not going to grow without you being able to share your faith. So that's why you're here. I'm just affirming you in a very long-winded way for turning up to this seminar. Now to start off, I just want you to do a quick activity. You might have a piece of paper with numbers on it, 20 numbers. Just want you to really quickly jot down the names of 20 people in your daily life. I'll give you some clues. They can be family members or work colleagues people you study with, your neighbours, people you care for at work, friends, old school buddies, people you used to work with, used to study with, or used to be friends with, parish, church people, people you meet on the bus every day, you travel with, if they're the same old people. Just really quick, jot down 20 names and tell me when you've finished. First person who finished, that'll be enough time. Did somebody say they're finished? Sorry? Anyone with an extra pen for the lady in the back? Oh, look. So just put your hand up when you've got 20 names. Oh, quick as a flash. Have you really got 20 names? Look at that. Tell me and anybody else got 20 names. Okay, Michael down the front here has got 20 names. We have some pretty fast working students here. And so as to not make a boring recording, we're just going to keep going. <laughs> so keep, keep writing down your names as the seminar continues. 
oops, you can even pick people in your sport or your interest club group. <laughs> this is about oikos. Oikos is a very old Greek word that's about um, the, the family unit or the unit of people who are friends, acquaintances, neighbours, slaves and employees back in the early Christian days. So I forgot to, that you could write down your slaves and employees. <laughs> Feel free. But it was this unit back in the, old, in the very early days of the church where people were converted. That's where the church was growing, through people's oikos group or their family circles. And if you read through the Acts of the Apostles, it says he and his whole family were converted that day. You know, and when Paul and Silas went to prison and then they busted out by praising God, the jailer goes, ah, what must I do? And he says, hand your life over to God. And he does. And he and his whole family are converted. This is the way it happens. Whoops. There's some pictures to give you some more ideas. So the early church spread through oikoses, their circles of influence and relationships. Here's some more circles of influence. And this is still the most effective way that faith is shared, person to person. God is very personal. He, God works in the one-to-one method. Now, just an extension activity for those of you who are already finished all that. Which of these photos, pictures, is out of place or most out of place in this discussion of evangelization, sharing your faith? Yes. The office one. Okay. Yeah, why? Because one guy's got his back turned to the rest of the group. One bloke's looking at some sort of computer and the other bloke's looking at a computer. So you get right. So how does that not be a part of it? Because everyone then, else is sharing their faith with a group oh, of people. Oh, I see. They're not being relational. Good pickup. That wasn't at all what I was thinking, but it's excellent. These guys are at least relating to each other, and they're not. They're ignoring each other. Do you think another one? Uh, maybe the friends. And why do you think they're not fitting in? It's, they never talk about God. That's it. They're totally godless bunch, aren't they? <laughs> I actually thought that one was a bit out of place too. I just googled friends and they came up. And I thought, <laughs> <laughs> so I stuck them in there. But actually they don't really fit, do they? This is a whole bunch of friends from the Friends show. And none of them have got faith. And none of them are very genuine and real. They're all actors and it's a fake show. So all of these are, are, are I think, photos of real people. And when you're talking about evangelization, genuineness and faith are the, the keys. So I like that relationship idea though, that's true too. <clears throat> but that's the one I would have kicked out. Yeah, we'll edit both of them right out of the picture. <laughs> good work, good work. So we're, we're, in, we're into it now, we know what evangelization is, we know why we're doing it, we're into the new evangelization. But you might not be entirely convinced that evangelization is a very Catholic thing to do. Maybe older people. You guys grew up in the new evangelization. But us older people sort of think, yeah, maybe it's in a, a Protestant word. You know, it's really the Protestants that go out evangelizing. Are we just becoming Protestant-orated? Well, if you know, I add something in that one. Yeah. 
Um, I once spoke to um, my speech teacher about what you were saying, and I said to her, you know, um, how come the Protestants always go out and evangelize and us Catholics just sit back and you know, watch them do it? And she says, because Catholics are complete lazies. <laughs> <laughs> that could be the answer. Catholics are lazy. We know that's not true, but, but we really haven't been formed in evangelization. Well, maybe before. In the last 10 years, 20, I don't know how many, 10 or 20 years, the whole church is trying to form us in evangelization and change the way we think about it. Excuse me, Judy. Um, the Protestant words they use evangelization. We use apostolate, don't we? The Catholics. Yeah, the Catholic, it's become a very Catholic word now, evangelization. So, apostolate means. Yes, very proper. Yeah. We've Catholicerated the word evangelization. <laughs> Maybe we had it first, who knows? So we'll just read this quote and see if it answers it. This is Pope Paul VI, who's not um, even contemporary. This is like back in the 60s he's saying this. We wish to confirm once more, once more, that the task of evangelizing all people constitutes the essential mission of the church. Evangelizing is in fact the grace and vocation proper to the church, her deepest identity. She exists in order to evangelize. Wow. I think we can use the word now. <laughs> Blasted out of all doubt that evangelization is not a Catholic word. The reason the church exists is to evangelize. Okay. We're convinced. It's up to all of us. That would be another great quote for my friends, wouldn't it? Who were going, oh, no, we've moved beyond evangelizing or just help people these days. The greatest way we can help anyone is to evangelize, to tell them about Jesus. Maybe, but maybe we are conveying them to the good news when we are being kind and loving. Oh, yeah. It doesn't stop us from doing good, but the highest form of doing good and the underlying purpose of all doing good is that because Jesus came and died and will live forever with us. So, this is my internal reaction to the word evangelize. Does anybody else ever feel like that when you think about evangelization and sharing faith? Only two, two people in the room? Oh, a few more, a few more. <clears throat> so for those you, of you listening in in Radio Land, there's a picture of a girl with very big scared looking <laughs> eyes that you can't see. But there could be a part of all of us, maybe tiny in some people, really big in other people, <laughs> that thinks sharing your faith or evangelizing creates a response like this on the inside but pope paul the sixth again says this here lies the test of truth the touchstone of evangelization it is unthinkable that a person should accept the word and give themselves to the kingdom without becoming a person who bears witness to it and proclaims it in turn so nobody gets off the hook doesn't matter if you're an extrovert or an introvert, we're all called to evangelize and we all need to. So, good heavens. Oh, here's a question, just a brief question. Can we keep the questions till the end? I'm just okay. thinking of this um, recording which won't pick you up. So, hold that thought for me and we'll get back to it and keep me accountable. Make sure I have a question time. So, just on your sheets again. 
there's a, a question that says, how does it make you feel? Does it make you feel all, all scared and with fear and trembling and does it make your mind go blank and you can't think of words? Or are you the type of person that would wear a t-shirt that says, ask me about Jesus? <laughs> I once taught a class like this and I said, does it make you feel scared? And this boy at the back jumped up and said, no, I just want to get out there and tell people about Jesus. And I thought, whoa. <laughs> He's better than me in that regard. Like, he should be teaching this. But it actually doesn't make any difference which side of it you're on. Like, there's a whole continuum. Zero is I'm really scared and I can't think under pressure and I, I'm not sure I should be the one talking to anyone about faith. And ten is let me out there. I want to tell the whole world and I want to do it now and I'm sick of staying here. Pick a number for yourself right this second about how does the word evangelization or the concept of evangelization make you feel? Are you down that end with me? Like, oh, it makes me nervous. Or are you up here with my friend who wants to get out? Pick a number real quick between 0 and 10 about where you are. <clears throat> and if you have no idea, we're going to do a quick quiz that's going to make it really clear for you. Oh, I'm so helpful. You ready? This is the quickest quiz you've ever done in your entire life. So up the top it says, never, sometimes, always. When we read the sentence, you just quickly make a decision, never, sometimes, always, in relation to the sentence. So the first one is, I have a negative reaction to high-pressure evangelization, and it makes me reluctant to evangelize at all. If you've never thought, felt like that, or even thought of that, just write never. If you think, yeah, yeah, I always think like that, put always. And if you've thought about it but not very often or anything else, put sometimes. That's the way it works. So timidity gets in my way. Never, sometimes or always. Being timid and shy like me. Fear of what others might think, of failure, of not knowing the answers, of being ostracised by my friends and family affects me. If you've ever felt like that, put it on. We're moving fast through this, so you don't have to think about it too long. You just pick a, an answer. I'm affected by the idea that religion should be kept private. Sometimes, never or always. The next one is, I'm affected by thinking that to speak about God is to impose on another's freedom. Sometimes, always, never. I think I should be more perfect before I speak. Are you filling them in on your sheet? I lack confidence that God will give me the words. I feel blocked off from the Holy Spirit and lack power to evangelise. For example, at work, you know, you can be full of faith in the Holy Spirit with all your Catholic friends and then you go to work and think, where did the Holy Spirit go? If you, have you ever felt like that? There's more. Oops. I don't really understand the Gospel message. Sometimes, always or never. <clears throat> I feel embarrassed at my past efforts. <coughs> I seem to be doing it all in my own strength. 
or totally on your own and getting nowhere. The next one is, I feel apathy and indifference about people's relationship with God. I don't really care. (laughs) It's too hard. Or I don't care about them. My witness of life is inconsistent with the words. I don't live the message. So you feel like a bit of a hypocrite. You haven't got your life together enough. So you don't share it. Thirteen is I'm discouraged from past attempts to share my faith. The next one is I have an insensitivity to where others are at and I come across as pushy or judgmental. The next one is I have pretty bad self-esteem and I don't feel free to offer friendship to others. So you're stuck in thinking like, oh, they don't want to talk to me. (laughs) That can happen a lot. And the last one is I'm too self-focused. My own needs scream too loudly to be able to hear the cry of others. Okay, that's the end of our little survey. Hope you've got all the blanks filled out. Now, next to your never, sometimes and always, you give yourself a score. If you wrote never, you get a zero for that one. If you wrote sometimes, you get a one. And if you wrote always, you get two points. So quickly bash down the points next to the sometimes, always and nevers that you wrote there. And then add them up. This is a maths test as well. It's quite a demanding (laughs) seminar. (laughs) Have you got it all added up? You got a total score? We have very fast workers in this class. Super fast. We'll make super good evangelists, I tell you. Okay. This is one of those quizzes where you find out your whole personality just by adding it up. Oh, don't you love it? It's like a a girly magazine. If you're a boy, you probably haven't experienced this fun. So if you got between naught and 10, put your hand up. If you got between naught and 10, you guys are supersizer evangelizers. Yeah. You are a turbo-powered evangelist, a fearless worker for God who has worked through or are free from most blockages to evangelization. You move in the power of the Holy Spirit and evangelize naturally because you know how important the message is in your life. Does that sound true? Supersizer, evangelizer. Okay. So who got between 10 and 20? Put your hand up. Who are you? Pope's buddy balanced evangelizer. Oh yeah, pretty pretty good. You are a well balanced evangelizer. You have insight into the way other people think and aware of different differing views to your own. You know yourself and the influences that discourage you, but your awareness of them can make you very open to God's grace and power moving through you. Oh yeah, how do you feel? Balanced. <laughs> okay, who are the people with me between 20 and 30? Yep, just you and me. There's two of us. Who are we? We are Mama Mary's Maximizer Evangelizer. Yeah. 
we are very aware of our need for God's power in the process of evangelization. We're very sensitive and intuitive people who could be very open to the spirit and the needs of other people. Our sensitivity to the other person makes our style of evangelizing very affirming and gentle. Oh, just like Mother Mary. Yeah. So the point of this little exercise is it doesn't really matter what your personality is or whether you're a terrified or let me out there type of person. Every person in the universe is called to evangelize and has actually got the gifts to evangelize. And if you're timid and sensitive, then that's good. God can use that to make you very sensitive to the other person. And if you're bold and courageous, that's great, you know, then you'll be able to use that for the kingdom. So why do we do it? <clears throat> this is for the scaredy people. If it's so scary, why do we evangelise? Other than the whole world needs to hear the message, sharing our faith is the normal path to ongoing conversion and growth. So for people who are pretty self-centred, we need to evangelise because it's good for us too. It's the normal way you're going to grow in your faith. And Jesus asks us to do it. It's part of following Jesus. He said, go out to all the earth and tell the good news. And Jesus never asks us to do anything that's not important and that's not life-giving and that's not really essential for our growth and our good. So that's why we do it. <clears throat> so how does evangelizing boost faith? Well, first of all, you're working with Jesus. You know when you work with someone, you get to know them, and you become even better friends because you're, you're sharing important or difficult stuff or you've got to figure out how to work together. Same thing with Jesus. We're working with him, so we get to know him more. And it, it makes you appreciate the gift of faith. Has anyone ever felt that when you're sharing with someone who's totally got no faith? You think, oh, I'm so lucky. I, or you're just getting out there with the world and realising these people are trying to cope every day and they don't even know what I know. How do they do it without faith? Or they don't care. Or they don't care. And they're asleep. <laughs> they're asleep to their own need. They don't even know how desperate they really are. That's it. Um, and we experience the power of the Holy Spirit. When we step out in faith, when you go out to Pitt Street or wherever you go, you're stepping out and we will experience the power of the Holy Spirit. It, whether it's you get set up with the, absolutely the right people or you, the right words come out or you have things happen to you that are amazing coincidences that just happen at the right time. And it also exposes our need for conversion. Like when you find you don't have the answers or you think, yeah, I don't know if I, I, I think I might believe you. <laughs> when somebody's telling you something of their lack of faith and you kind of think, yeah, me too. Like when we're trying to share our faith, it, it makes us realise where our own dead ends are. And it also keeps our own problems in perspective when you're reaching out to others. So did you know you need more friends for God's sake? <laughs> that sounds awful, doesn't it? But it's absolutely true. 
You definitely need more friends, for God's sake. And this whole um, seminar is talking about relationship evangelization. Evangelization amongst the relationships that you already have. So it's it's also involves deliberately trying to bring people closer to Christ by our friendship. You could think to yourself, hold on a minute. That sounds dodgy. (laughs) What's the real point of this relationship? You could say, is that genuine? You know, like deliberately either developing a friendship for the sake of Christ or going out looking for friends to evangelise them? Is that genuine? And the answer is absolutely. If you were to look at the reasons why you have friends, most of them are just pretty boring reasons or selfish reasons, like I need somebody to hang out with in life or we like being together or, you know, it just happens that way. We're at work and we've got stuff in common. So it's extra, extra loving to, to deliberately make friends with people who maybe you don't have a lot in common with just out of pure love, out of, for, for their good. So it's an absolutely um, genuine thing to do, as long as you're genuine about it. If you were like thinking, oh, I need to evangelise more so I can bring them to the youth group and look really good in front of the others, you know, and impress everyone by bringing more friends, that wouldn't be genuine. You'd be kind of using the people. But if you genuinely want the best for them and you develop a friendship with them um, just because you want the best for them and the best for them is Jesus, that is incredibly generous and loving. And so we should be on the lookout for friends everywhere we go, extra friends. God is incredibly generous, you know. He doesn't want you just to have 50 Facebook friends. He wants you to have hundreds of genuine, really deep, profound friendships that are based in him. You know how the closest, you're closest to the people that help you get closer to Jesus? Have you noticed that in your own life? You know, the ones that brought you along the track, you kind of think, oh, I love those people. They've, they've given me so much. God wants you to have... Yeah, God wants you to have lots of relationships like that. Really genuine friendships. So even random evangelization, like you were doing out in the streets, or that you will do for the rest of your life, maybe, with the people that you bump into, like they can become potential friends if, if God wants it to go that way. You know, I met this girl on a beach. <laughs> I was going for a walk and I wasn't in the greatest mood. You know, I was kind of wanting to be by myself, grumpy duty mood. And this girl was walking along, heaps younger than me. She would have been in early 20s. And she went, hello. And I went, hello, and kept walking. <laughs> and then our paths crossed again, and she was a bit lost. And she said, Is that, does this track go back there? And I went, yeah, yeah. Um, and we walked along together, and we got talking. And I just said, oh, what are you doing? And she, was, she had an accent, so I knew she was a traveller. And I said, oh, I've been a traveller. And we started up this conversation, and it, very quickly we got on to talking about God stuff. And I was thinking, oh, this is obviously a setup from God here. You know, and um, I was saying, I said to her, we talked and talked and we had a lot in common. You know, we found things to overlap with and I was telling her, oh, I used to travel and 
it really helped me um, figure out my faith when I was travelling. Things happened. You want to be careful. And she, she started saying, oh, things have been happening. And I was going, really? <laughs> and she started telling me about it. And I said, I think you're being set up by God because, you know, there's not that many Catholic nuns walking around on the beach and you just happen to find one. And <laughs> anyway, it could have been just, well, see you later. It was nice meeting you. See you for the rest of your life. But I, in my head, I'm madly thinking, how can I stay in contact with this person? You know, how can I make it not just random, but a friendship? And I said, oh, where are you going to next? And she said, I'm going to Melbourne. And I said, oh, some of the other sisters live in Melbourne. You've got to meet them. Come up to my place. <laughs> so she did. She came up and she met the sisters and they swapped email addresses and she caught up with them in Melbourne. And then she, um, we kept in contact and we became friends. And the story has a very good ending. She ended up getting really involved in faith and God did all these amazing things to set her up. So it was one of those amazing stories. But just finding that connection, like, oh, you've got to meet my sisters. They live in Melbourne, you know, made it. Or well, now they've swapped email addresses. We're going to keep in contact and we're going to become friends. And we still will. She's gone back overseas to her home, but... We will stay in, in contact now. And she'd be on my Oikos list. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? So it's, God wants to set you up with people in your life. And it's not a, um, an artificial, I'm so glad I evangelised her friendship. She was a lovely friend. Like it was a, a very genuine mutual friend. It's very funny. Anyway, enough of that. <clears throat> so now you're totally convinced the time's going fairly well, in case you were worried. <laughs> Let's get on to how do we actually talk faith. Because that's what we want to do with all our friends, at whatever level they are. Hopefully those 20 names that you wrote down, they're not all at your level of faith. Hopefully some of them are at all different levels of faith. And a good thing to do would be to go down your list and put... A level of faith like are they beginners in the faith are they strong in the faith or do they need encouragement you know is this anyway we won't do that now but <clears throat> everybody in your life everyone on that list has been given to you to help evangelize and you've been given to them and they're helping you to be evangelized too but everybody on that list are the people that God has given you at this point in your time to help get to heaven. So we want to become good at that. <laughs> we're, we're Catholics, we're people of faith, and we've been given this commission to help people get to heaven. We want to know how to do it. So how do we talk faith? The first thing is to pray for opportunities. Make it a part of your daily praying to pray for opportunities to share your faith. And when you are walking around the city or sitting on the train or doing whatever you do where there's people around, pray for opportunities for people to meet. <clears throat> and God will stick you next to the people that really want to talk to you. <laughs> He'll give you the opportunities. If you were God in heaven and people were, were making that prayer in the morning, Lord, give me opportunities, would you go, yeah, not today? No! You'd be setting them up. God's looking for secret agents to put next to the people that he loves. 
So he will answer that prayer every time. So when you pray for opportunities, then watch out and be ready for the opportunities that are going to come. And know that God wants to, oh yeah, be expectant. Be ready. So be really awake and ready to evangelise. And then follow God's leading. <clears throat> so if somebody bumps into you, if somebody says hello to you, that is a full-on opportunity <laughs> if they said hello to you. And if you say hello to them and they don't turn around and run the other way, that's another opportunity. So follow the leadings that God's giving you and be looking for them. And be honest and genuine. If you're honest and genuine, you can't do any wrong. All that you can give is what you know. So if they're asking questions that, are, that you have no idea, just honestly say, I have no idea. And that in itself might be what God wants to speak to that person about. These Christians aren't smarty pants, know-it-alls, going to convert me and, or Bible bash me. So they don't even know all the answers themselves. Maybe I could become one of them. And share generously what you have to give. So don't underrate what you have to give. If you're here, you are in the upper echelons of the Catholic youth in Sydney. You people are, are really committed to your faith. You have a genuine personal faith that, that is beautiful, that God wants other people to see. So don't be telling yourself in your head, oh, I don't know much, I'm not really sure, I can't speak like some people can speak. Don't be telling yourself that. Just keep thinking, I have something precious and if God wants to use it, that's good. And be generous with it. God will do the hard bits. So the Holy Spirit's the principal agent of evangelization. Have you heard that phrase before? That means the principal factor in evangelization, the principal moving agent. What's an agent other than a, a spy, <laughs> secret agent? <clears throat> That's the thing that does the work, isn't it? An agent? Yeah, if you're an agent for the post office, I guess you run around working for the post office. A representative. A representative. But the Holy Spirit, I think this sentence means the Holy Spirit is the one that does the work. So we are minor agents. He's the principal agent. We are the minor agents of evangelization. So I told you you were the secret weapon. Now you've turned into a secret agent for God. <laughs> But you're, you've got to remember, you're only a minor agent. You have a boss, <laughs> somebody who's really doing all the work, you know, who's in charge. So in scene, who's the, who's the boss here running this whole place? Oh, good answer. Who said that? The Holy Spirit. <laughs> he said about the secret, and the secret weapon in the first place. I thought you were going to say the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Oh. You, I was expecting the Holy Spirit. You are one of these genius students, getting, getting better than the teacher. Just be careful. <laughs> when I was saying, who's running this whole show, you were supposed to say something like, Kathy Kennedy, isn't she? <laughs> or, or Bishop Julian. And I would have said, who's Kathy Kennedy's boss? Bishop Julian's at the top. But really, the Holy Spirit's running this show. We're already a little part of the work that the Holy Spirit's doing all over the world. 
And this kind of stuff is happening all over the world. But even in little random evangelization and your relationship evangelization, it's the Holy Spirit who's in charge. That makes you feel so much better when you're not in charge. You just have to do what you're told. You know how Jane works in the office? And Kathy, I don't know whether you've noticed, Kathy Kennedy keeps going, Jane, do this. Jane, do that. And Jane runs off doing everything. She's the one that's the legs behind scene. We're like Jane. <laughs> you know, the Holy Spirit might go, Judy, talk to that girl. And I go, oh, I'm tired and grumpy. <laughs> and I walk past. And he goes, Judy, talk to the girl. <laughs> if, if we're open, the Holy Spirit will give us opportunities. And we're just a little minor agent that does what we're told. And, and that is so exciting when you're working with the Holy Spirit. And God does amazing things and uses you in ways that you know you could never do. You kind of think, whoa, I'm being used by the Holy Spirit. I feel like a secret agent. <laughs> now, these are, here are some other secret agents. Do you know them? Yes. They, the old people all know them. Do the young people know them? Yeah, of yeah, course you do. There was some movie out recently. <laughs> Overseas people don't. These are two secret agents on TV, Maxwell Smart and 99, <laughs> and they're silly agents. They're like, it's a spoof of James Bond, you know, so they keep getting in big messes and, and it all works out happily in the end. But this is an extension activity for my brilliant students who keep popping up. How have they got anything in common with us and our secret agentness and the Holy Spirit? Or how are they the opposite? Come on, creative thinking. Is there anything in common with them working with control and us working with the Holy Spirit? Cooperation. Cooperation? Yep, they work together. Relationship. All about relationship? Yeah. yeah. They get into a mess sometimes. That's a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> they're, yeah, they're a bit bumbling. They're not experts, really. They just pretend to be. But, how, but what happens? At the end of the show, they always win, don't they? Somehow or other, miraculously, it all comes together and these bumbling spies come out with a happy ending and we all feel good about it. It's kind of like that with the Holy Spirit. This is not a deep, profound connection here. But we are bumbling agents. <laughs> And God, because God is all awesome, brings it all together anyway. He delights in using bumbling little people to do amazing things like bring people to Jesus. <clears throat> I just thought I'd put them in because it's kind of a bit novel, wake you up a bit. <laughs> no real genuine connection. So how do you talk faith? Don't be pushy, take time. There's no panic about evangelization. It's actually God's work. God's going to start it and finish it, and he just uses us. So you don't have to feel all panicky and think, I've got to get this person converted, and I might only have 10 minutes, and I better bring in the gospel now. You don't have to have that feeling at all. You can just be kind of thinking, what are you doing, God? What should I say next? You know, we can take our time. Share who Jesus is for you in a simple way that is relevant to the other person. This is not rocket science either, is it? Like you guys are experts on this. 
But hopefully it's kind of affirming that you know this stuff. So the most powerful part of, sh- of evangelising is sharing personally your own stuff, who Jesus is for you in a way that's relevant to the other person. So you, when you're listening to them, you're looking for connections and overlapping bits. And if there is one, then you can share how something is relevant, something that they've brought up that is relevant to them, how it connects in with your story. And people really want to hear that. People feel really um, interested when you share about you, genuinely about you, because it doesn't happen very often. You know when you run a function like this, the, the part where everybody's listening is the testimonies, <laughs> where people stand up and tell their own story. People are really interested in that. You've only got to watch what's on TV, all that reality TV stuff. People are really interested in other people's lives. And if you genuinely share something deep and personal from your own life, people want to know that. And they feel privileged to to hear it. So it's a powerful thing to give. The other thing you can do is a sharing of the basic gospel message in a way that meets the felt needs of the other person. So the basic gospel message, just the simple facts of our faith, if they connect with the other person. And an easy way is to invite them to attend something, something evangelising, to go along with you. So to invite them to a a grace fest or a a youth group or a summer school of evangelisation or to drag them along with you to an event that we'll be evangelising. That's an easy way, isn't it? Sometimes, if you can get them there. Now this is one thing that I found very helpful is the whole concept of fishing when you're evangelising. The whole fishing for interest. Checking whether the person's interested. So you don't have to hit them over the head with your whole testimony. You just test whether, is this a person that the Holy Spirit's working in or not? You know, like is this somebody God? And how do you do that? So you test their interest in God matters by throwing out bait in a subtle way. (laughs) So this is a polite way to respect the person and where they're coming from. So give us some examples, Jude. Give us some examples. Well, just even mentioning God things, like I went to Mass on the weekend, or a priest I know said to me, or I read this article about... God stuff, or even saying, I'll pray for you. It lets them know that you're a God person, that you do God things. And it also is a bit of bait. Now, if they're really interested, (laughs) and if God's been working in their heart and preparing them, and you've been praying for them because they're on your list anyway, as people that you can be sharing your faith with, so God has been preparing them, When they're ready, they'll show you that they're ready and they'll take the bait and go, you went to Mass on the weekend? Why do you go to Mass? And that is a beautiful opening for you. When someone gives you permission to share your faith, you can go for it. You know, it it means 
I'm open, tell me about it. It's so much easier than going up to somebody and saying, can I share my faith with you? Whew, when they are asking you. Talk to your faith without um, to someone that, because um, there's actually a story that happened to me and this friend of mine. Can we keep it till the end? Sorry. Uh, it's briefly. It's briefly it's okay, briefly. real brief. Um, and anyway, we're talking about our faith and how great God is. And holy people came up and said, can I have a prayer card? Oh. <laughs> All because we were talking about the bank. Yeah. <laughs> and before yeah. I came along, you got no one. <laughs> yeah, I've had experiences where you're talking to someone on a train and they're asking all these questions and then other people on the train are nodding or going like this or... <laughs> I got off the train and this man says, good on your love. <laughs> you kind of think, oh, I had a feeling there were people listening. <laughs> so evangelising on trains, it's not just the person you're talking to. <laughs> um, so back to throwing out bait. By referring to your youth group friends. You know, you're not directly saying, hey, do you want to come to my youth group? You just say, a couple of my friends at youth group, you know, they said blah, 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 and see if they take the bait and go, what youth group? Just see if they are interested. Or you can be a bit more direct and say, are you Catholic or do you have faith? <coughs> That's not so. Or are you Christian? Yeah. So if they do respond, you can go further. It's like respecting where they're at and their interest level and how much God is working in them. And it might, they might only want to know that much today that you actually have youth group friends. That might be enough for today if they go, oh, nah, if they don't respond. But later on, they, they might use the information. So if they dodge the subject, you can back off and keep praying. So it takes the pressure off you entirely. You don't have to be a Bible basher. Let me, please let me tell you the gospel story. Or please let me tell you my testimony. You just have to wait for people who really want to know who God's already preparing. So you don't have to go too far too quickly. <coughs> Speaking of too far too quickly, do you, have you heard all those jokes about Catholic pickup lines? Yeah? If you haven't. I've got some for you. Evangelizing pickup lines. Your eyes are as green as a priest's vestments in ordinary time. <laughs> yeah, that, that'll be handy for you fellas one day, except for the seminarians. <laughs> don't use it, don't use it. What about this one? Instead of saying, peace be with you, can I please be with you? <laughs> at mass <laughs> sometimes you know if you're looking for a wife you can't waste time <laughs> do you come to confession here often oh they're so corny no not very good no what about this one Oh, I like your vision for life better than mine. Can I join you in your <laughs> Do you know where I got that from? This man actually said that, and then he married her. <laughs> One of my friends actually said that to a girl. They were sharing about their life visions, and he went, Oh, I think I like yours better than mine. Can I join you? <laughs> and they eventually got married. Don't you find that hysterical? Anyway. I guess so, a big alarm that actually worked. Yeah, pick up lines that work. That one worked. Write it down, guys. <laughs> or maybe, maybe you better follow the Holy Spirit yourself. Yeah, maybe that's better. 
<laughs> so, these are ones I got out of a book. These are more about sharing your faith. Have I ever told you how I got interested in my faith? Can you imagine a situation where you'd use that amongst your friends? Does it make you feel nervous? Have you got friends that you never talked about your faith with? Yeah. And they're the ones that make you feel a bit sick in the stomach when you hear the word evangelizing and you think, oh, they're on my list, but how do I talk to them about faith? <clears throat> how do I get from here to, to there? Well, you just wait till they give you one of their magazines and you go, oh, have you read this? Yeah, swap magazines. If you were complimented on your dedication, love and service, you could say, well, if you'd known me two years ago, you probably couldn't have said that. That sounds pretty corny, doesn't it? You have to reinterpret this into youth speak, into your language, into your way of doing it. But it's a, a pretty good concept, isn't it? Like people often say to Christians, oh, you're so lovely, or you're so nice, you always do the nice thing. How do you get from that little compliment to, well, I haven't always been like that. You know, people used to call me, bleh. <laughs> And then they'll go, why? What do you mean? And you go, well, I haven't always been into my faith, you know, and then blah, blah, blah. If they're interested, you could tell them what happened in your life. <clears throat> so if you're talking to a lapsed Catholic, you could say, I used to feel like you, disillusioned by the church too, but I don't anymore. And you could say, can, can I tell you what happened to me? Or you can wait for them to say, really? Why not? <laughs> That's even better if they're asking you. And if, if you stop here and say, I don't feel like that anymore, and they just go silent and look awkward and walk away, then you don't want to ask them, can I tell you about it? Because they obviously don't want to know. But if they are interested, because they've, they've figured out already that you're an average, nice, um, pretty normal young person and you're not disillusioned by the church. How could you not be in this day and age when it's, when it's written up in the media so yuckily? How could you not be? They might be very curious to hear your answer. So just before you go to sleep, I'm going to ask you to give me the answers. What do you say if somebody's, some, one of your friends is confiding their struggle? You know that you've reached a point in your relationship where they start telling you all the hard bits and or they're crying or what is the right thing to do as an evangelizer think about it <clears throat> might be a trick question listen is the right answer were you going to say that too you were all going to say that weren't you yeah yeah i mean you can choose to you can choose to just put the phone out at the side and walk off and to the radio. Oh, that would be but bad. Then, but then that wouldn't be the, that wouldn't be the Christian attitude. That's it. The, the most important thing, if someone's telling you something deep and personal and hurtful, the only thing to do is to listen with great respect and be really careful about giving them an answer or a solution or the Christian message in the middle of that, unless you really think this is God, because you want to just be a friend who listens and respects them. Because that's a, a, a privileged moment if someone tells you their struggle and their pain. And sometimes they don't want the answer, they just want someone No, to they mostly want someone to listen. 
but that might be the moment, the privileged moment, when you could speak a word of hope, where you could mention where you get your hope from, that you've, you know what they're talking about. It could be. But that's where you have to really listen to God. And you can't do any harm by listening and respecting them and supporting them and loving them and showing all of that. I'll have to finish pretty soon so we can have some questions. Right, someone you've known forever but you never quite get around to it. What do you do with people like that? You've known them forever but you just never talk faith. How do you make that leap? Well, there's an easy answer to that one. No, easy answers are never the right one, are they? Well, <laughs> I took a drive up to, me took a drive up to Mount Wilson after the windstorm went here. And we are driving back home. Maybe, maybe hold the story because I want a kind of general okay. answer. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. That's okay. Um, I think sometimes the opportunities come. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Look for opportunities. <coughs> Look for that moment. It might not be something <coughs> you have to say yeah. in particular, but there might be an opportunity of it being, say, something about your lifestyle that it's maybe counter to theirs and they might just ask. Yeah. Be looking, looking and be ready. But you might have to be really out there with them and say, you know, I've never talked about this with you, but, you know, like really honest out there. Or, you know, I've always been a bit hesitant to talk about this because you're such a good friend to me. But really, most important thing in my life is my faith and blah, blah, blah. Sometimes you have to just stick your neck out and <laughs> do it. Help make the opportunity. If you feel like, ah, oh, this is such a perfect opportunity, I'm not going to miss it. Okay, keep moving right along. Someone complains about the world. Whoa. How would you jump from that to faith fishing? So did Jesus, so did God look what he did. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon do your absolute best. And in this day and age when there's so much grace around, you can take a few risks. I'll tell you one last story about being a baby MGL. I used to go and visit this old lady all the time. Every mission day I'd go and visit this old lady and all we'd talk about is her holidays and I'd drink her coffee and we'd talk about holidays and I'd feel like a failure as an MGL because we never talked about anything but holidays and I'd pray and pray for the opportunity it never came. And one day she was talking about her holidays and I suddenly said, I thought, oh, I'm going to take a risk. And I said, Mary, have you ever thought that your next holiday might be in heaven? And I held my breath thinking, oh, I can't believe I just said that. And there was this silence, because she's this old lady, you know. There's this silence. And then she went, Judy, you know, you're my only friend who would ever talk about things like that. And I thought, oh, phew. <laughs> that could have been a killer. <laughs> it went over okay. I think if your heart's in the right place and you, you really want for the, the best for the other person and you've got a genuine relationship with them, you can take a few risks or you can be awkward, like miss socially awkward. I don't always have the right perfect words, but God will fill in the gaps if we're a bit awkward. 
and help us to do better than we could do on our own. And just as a last point, uh, just a scripture to finish with that says you don't have to be brilliant. Like even St. Paul, who's got to be the most famous, the best preacher, the best evangelist ever, 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 says he didn't come with any brilliance of oratory or wise arguments to announce to you the mystery of God. The only knowledge he had is the knowledge of Jesus and of him as the crucified Christ. And he came in weakness and in fear and great trembling. That's us, Mama Mary maximises. <laughs> Not meaning to convince by philosophical argument, but to demonstrate the convincing power of the spirit. So we're with, with St. Paul, not depending on how clever we are, but totally depending on the cleverness of God. Radio.org.au